Hey guys, welcome to Hope It Helps. Today's guest is Joe Chajon. Joe is a people engagement and retail expert with over 10 years of experience working with large multinationals such as Shalhoub Group. He is now the proud founder of the Eleven Network and works as a coach helping companies improve their employee engagement. His passion and focus lies in connecting people, ideas, and things, and is a firm believer that by helping each other, we can take our relationships and businesses to the next level. During this episode, we discuss what it means for people and employees to be engaged. We talk about the importance of authenticity in creating a working environment that allows people to be themselves, and the benefits of switching our mindsets from a transactional to an emotion-based approach with our colleagues and clients. And the last message he wanted to share is to remember that you do not need to struggle alone and make sure to get the help that you need. Please welcome to the show, Mr. Joe Sejon. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here with you. It's a pleasure to have you on the show and thank you so much for your time. Uh, so guys, for the people who don't know, me and Joe actually connected through uh, a previous guest I had on the podcast, Mr. Guillaume. So shout out Guillaume. Thank you for connecting us. And uh, We went for a coffee the other day and we just uh, sat down. So he's looking to start his own podcast, guys. So make sure to check that out when it comes out. <laughs> Um, and we sat down, we were supposed to talk about podcasting and an hour and a half later, we talked about, I think everything, but podcasting, <laughs> literally, you know, life, universe, work, whatever you, whatever you like to call it. So, um, we really got along and Joe is a, um, expert in people engagement. He's been working in the field for a very long time, you know, companies like Shalhu, but now he has his own consulting firm. So I thought for today, I'd love to speak all about all about all things to do with people engagement and so on, since that's your field, that's what you know. Uh, and hopefully today the conversation will be a bit more directed <laughs> than our last one, but I'm sure we'll go off on a couple of tangents. Um, but for the people who don't know, Joe, why don't you give all of us a little bit of background about yourself and we'll take it from there. Yeah, thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here with you, Khalid. Um, I arrived in the UAE 14 years ago. Okay. Um, from a background that has nothing to do with what I'm doing right now, I come from a background of legal, legal studies, and uh, started my career as a, as a trainee in a law firm. I failed my bar exam twice, and I dropped my career before it even started. Okay. I uh, went through many different dark areas, trying to find what I wanted to do for myself. And uh, I ended up being a kind of professor in negotiation in a business school. Okay. Um, and then I met the person who's my wife and decided I wanted to find something a bit different. Tried to find a job in France. It didn't work. It's complicated in France if you don't have a straight line to be understood. Uh, so you, you need to have a straight line and then people can hire you. Like if a you don't, career path. Yeah, <laughs> career yeah, yeah. Path. If you don't, then it doesn't work. Gotcha. Eventually, I got contacted by Shalhoub. I'm, I'm a very lucky guy, generally speaking. So I sent them a leaflet on negotiation three years after they called me and asked me if I wanted the position. and we decided to come with, at the time, my girlfriend. And uh, since then, I spent 10 years in Shalhoub. I discovered amazing stuff in this company, people first, but also I've done four different jobs, which gave me the opportunity to uh, discover different things. I started in training. So Shalhoub is, is this big retail group, yeah. 650 stores at the time, at least. When I left, it was when I left 12,000 people. Uh, I don't know if it's bigger or smaller today after all that happened. But I started in training, uh, and then I continued in marketing. I distributed brands like uh, Aquali Parma, Bond Number no. 9, and it was a big success. The two first positions were a big success. And then I was asked to take care of 17 boutiques, and that was a big pivot in my life. So 
I, it was a position of, of operation manager. Okay. So my okay. job was to take care of 17 boutiques in Saudi, Kuwait, Qatar, and Bahrain in um, tableware, silverware, crystalware, um, brands, traditional brands, okay. uh, French and English brands. The thing is, it was a major failure. Okay. This position was a mega failure from the start, from the get-go. Okay. And it lasted for nine months of complete failure. And when I, when I got out of that, uh, because they took me out of the position, instead of firing me, to be fair, <laughs> they, they asked me if I could do something for service, uh, to which I said, I don't know anything about service. Uh, and they said, no, try to improve the service in our stores. We give you six months, build a vision and, and do it. I worked with Emirates Airlines, with Four Seasons, and with a restaurant at the time that was in Intercontinental called Reflet. Okay. Uh, from a three-star Michelin chef in France called Pierre Gagnier. I presented the vision and they accepted it. The only condition that I put at the time was I want to be three days out of five every week as an associate in the stores. So I will only do two days in the office as a division manager or whatever it was, leading the division. And three days I would be selling like any other person under the authority of a manager. And this will last as long as the position lasts. And they said yes. Okay. And it lasted for four years. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. And during four years, and this is maybe... Uh, why I took so long to, to tell you a bit uh, uh, on this background is during these four years, I took slaps three, three days a week. Mm. And I realized very quickly how much I didn't understand what I was doing when I was in the offices in retail and how little I understood the job of retail, the life of people who were in touch with customers and how transactional the conversations were. So I found people who were finding dif finding it difficult to be engaged in their job. Be engaged. To be really fully happy mm. and thriving and expressed because all the conversations were about sales. Where are you in your sales? What have you done? Things that they needed to do. Yeah. And this was the beginning of my adventure into understanding how to provide better experiences. I thought it started with providing experiences to customers or to guests. And then I realized that it needed to start with the experience of employees. Interesting. So I wanted to, I think something you did that I'm curious about, why did you tell them that you wanted to be in the retail stores for three days a week? Because as usually as a manager, yeah. it's very uncommon as yeah. nowadays for you to be the one in the store, you know, trying to engage with customers or trying to make sales. So why was it important for you to, to have that experience? I realized in, in, in my, the position before where I failed, um, I realized that I was not aware of what these people were making, what, what these people were doing. And just thinking about it for a few seconds, these people were paying my salary. They were generating the income. So it, and it was not a small activity. It was probably 40 or 50% of the activity of the group. The rest was distribution. Mm. So you've got half of the revenue of a major company that is doing billions. That is coming from people who are much less paid than I am, who work tons of hours on their feet, and I don't even know what these guys are doing. So on top of this, I realized after this, this failure, this position of operation manager, that I was coming always with the idea that good ideas work and good ideas don't work. Nobody cares about good ideas at all. Mm. Um, people want their problems to be fixed. 
they don't care about your good ideas. And when you come with good ideas like, like I've done, because I'm an enthusiast, I'm, I'm a positive guy, I have this drive and this passion, but this doesn't work if you come without the willingness to listen. And when you come with a good idea, you want to sell something. When you come and you want to fix a problem, you need to listen to the problem first. And mm. I couldn't do this. So changing, I wanted to, and I don't think that it was a conscious choice, but I think it showed me that you can't go to people and sell something. Yeah. You just need to stop. And you can't go to employees and tell them, oh, this, is, this works. I, I give you just a simple example. Even during this position of four years, I felt and I thought that, you know, empty stores should be the stores where you find the best experts, right? Because it makes sense. You're an associate there. You're supposed to be selling. When you're not selling because there is nobody, you have plenty of time to learn. Sure. And this is easy, right? I mean... To me, this, it made sense. Yeah. And I realized after two years that I had never worked in this position in, in an empty store. And I think I was scared to do it. When I went to an empty store, we had an, uh, a store in Dubai Mall that had zero traffic. We were 12 people into it. It was a Faces store at the time. Um, at 2 p.m., I started at 10, so the shift of 10 a.m. At, at 2 p.m., I think we had 12 customers entering in the boutique. So I didn't have a chance to approach any of them. Mm. And all my body was aching. And I was thinking into myself, man, you should be doing what you've been preaching for years. Mm. Take a book and learn, right? Mm. Yeah. I couldn't. It was impossible for me to do. My body was aching from toes to, to head. I mean, my back was aching. My brain was off. Mm. And very quickly, I related to things that I had experienced in the office. I don't know if you've experienced this in your life, but... When you have nothing to do, when there is nothing in your plate, when there is nothing, no pressure, no, well, you don't find, I didn't find the energy to do anything. The worst moments in my career when I was in the office were moments where I didn't have anything to do. I was, there was nothing to deliver tomorrow. And that's a keyword, deliver. I don't know if you've had this experience. Absolutely, 100%. And then... Uh, this is one of the many, many things that I could learn on the field and that the field taught me is that what I thought was true from my perspective, sitting in a chair and being just simply logical, didn't really work in real life. And to me, this is where I, I fell in love with people who are in touch, you know, who are on the front line, who really deliver something and who take all these risks, you know, of being in front of human beings you know, uh, it's not easy it's no. terrifying you know and it's super rewarding at the same time and I fell in love not with retail I fell in love with people who work in retail I didn't fall in love with banking I fell in love with people who work there and who face people like me who are angry and who are, <laughs> you know I didn't fall in love with airline business I fell in love with people who work in the airline business and this is where I think things started to shift for me and I realized that Emotions was the key, the key aspect that I wanted to work on to make people, you know, thrive and be happy and work. Sure. <clears throat> I think that example you used is perfect because um, so I've had many um, therapists on the podcast as well. And listening, <clears throat> listening to your story about my my vision and it was logical and it all made sense. And, you know, like sitting in your office in the chair and like making these plans. And then going to the store and standing there for those hours and real and actually facing people and realizing that 
this all sounds great, but the reality is something completely different. And it reminded me of the conversations I've had with therapists where, because when I look at a therapist, I'm like, uh, or like a mental health professional, I'm like, oh, they, they have the tools. I'm a therapist, I'm a hypnotherapist myself. It's like, oh, we have the tools to fix any problem. But then uh, I remember one woman, she's a child psychologist. She told me, she's like, Khaled, there's theory. And then there's practice because I was asking her about her family. I'm like, so her kids, she's like, everything I know when it comes to my kids goes out the window. I'm like, okay, so there's there's a vision and like theory and logic and then there's reality. But I really respect that you took the time to go and actually find out what is happening and have that have that experience, because I think listening to you. That experience has now led to where you are right now and yeah. your desire and Definitely. your motivation for people and emotions and making people happy and engaged. So on that point, yeah. two questions. First of all, how would you describe people engagement? How would you describe that to someone? And then I have a follow up to that. And this, your question is super important. And my answer is only mine. Sure. Yeah. I don't have a, a universal definition for that. For me, what I'm looking for when I'm talking about engagement is do people have an authentic interaction? So when I talk about employee engagement, customer engagement, audience engagement, is the interaction authentic? Is it real? And the second thing is, is it passionate? Okay. So is there energy? Is there passion in it? And is it real? If it isn't, then to me... It doesn't work. Okay. And this is what I'm looking for when I'm talking about people engagement. Okay. So <clears throat> you actually perfectly segue onto my next question. So you said the word authentic. Yeah. What's the difference between if I told you, uh, Joe, does it, what, how would you describe the difference between being engaged and being authentically engaged? Like how do we judge that authenticity? Well, it's a super good question and I wouldn't know how to answer precisely because to me being engaged uh, has an element of you know being oneself okay um, the thing that I I would really love to impact in the world of um, I mean of work and life generally speaking I don't really uh, separate the two anymore yeah. is can people do, do we create the context for people to be themselves um, when I talk about engagement <clears throat> for example if I talk about employee engagement or even anybody people engagement one of the things that is so important to me is have we created the context for people to be who they are or are, are we creating a context where people have to leave a part of who they are in the locker room yeah. because they need to follow brand guidelines and they need to follow a script. Um, you know, somehow you recruit people for who they are. You are sometimes seduced with their personality. There is an element of them of maybe creativity or craziness or maybe... Uh, gentleness or introversion that you like. I mean, it doesn't need to be always this flamboyant thing. There is something that you like. And suddenly you ask them to go to the store and to follow either a script or guidelines mm. and they wear a uniform, which I like. I have nothing against uniforms, but all of this direction says to people, okay, now, thank you, but please leave who you are <laughs> somewhere. You know, people don't say this anymore in the in the current times, but you know, I'm old enough to have grown uh, with people who told me, leave your emotions at the door. Mm. So leave who you are, leave your life, uh, your mourning, your arguments, your joys, uh, leave it at the door, you know, and then do your job. Yeah. But it doesn't work this way. So engagement for me is the possibility 
or authentic engagement, as you want to call it, is the possibility that we create for others to be themselves and to be whole instead instead of just being you know torn yeah uh, and divided absolutely answer this way no i think that's a that's a great answer and i really like how you described it you know the fact that you see it as one thing you know who you are who i am at home is the same guy that i am at work and there's no you know and like you said correctly people like to say you know keep your personal life at home but my personal life is me (laughs) you know as part of me if i'm having a bad day at the office it might not be from work it might not be from you i might be having trouble at home i might be having be worried about something else so you telling me to separate those two doesn't it doesn't work anymore and i think especially nowadays that is changing the, like the general perception behind that is changing people are seeing that it is important to be authentically yourself but you made a good point that you need to have the environment to do that because like you, I love the way you described it like oh we hired you for who you are and now okay here's this box please act according to these like scripts and guidelines and I think this is really the responsibility of people who hire people it, we as a company I don't believe or as an employer I don't believe that our role is to make people happy so for example I I it is true that I have difficulties to relate, even if I know people who are chief happiness officer or, and I, I love these people and I, I, we have good conversations and I respect what they're doing. But the concept of making people happy as a mission of a company, for me, I, I, I struggle with that. It's, it's a personal responsibility and a choice to be happy. However, the responsibility that we have is to create the context for people to be themselves and to be who they are and to create the context for people to be able to express the best of who they are. Yeah. I think this is, if, if we can reach that and when we reach that, and when I work with brands or with people who manage to do this, really magic happens because people don't have to play this comedy and mm. to twist themselves. They can operate in an environment of trust and they can express their personality. However, you need still to have a common direction. So this is for the sure, whole thing. For sure. So yeah. how do you manage to have people who are going to express their own self with their history, their family life, and their mood of the of the instant? Because you know, even if we were perfectly equal together, let's imagine that we're exactly the same. We wouldn't have maybe the same mood or the same emotions at the same time during a day. And this impacts the way we're going to act. So how True. can we have this diversity of people yeah. with one direction? Yeah. That is, to me, super fascinating. Yeah. Merging the two, bringing, you know, bringing those two yes. things together. Um, I think uh, I th- I, what you said about isn't the, a comp- an employer's job is not to make the employee happy, is to create the context for it. Because this is, I think this is what happens. People, we generally go for extremes. So either there's the big extreme like emotions at home, you know, you're at the office, you know, keep personal life at home. And then there's other extreme which you just touched on that is like express yourself yeah. and whatever yeah. and all that kind of stuff, which <clears throat> is ye- yes and no on both. I think the key from listening to your story is adaptability is there's the environment for it but sometimes you know i've got to put on a face you know i've got we have a client that's coming in we have a deal that we have to close so you need to be adaptable to those kind of situations if you if i told you joe what would the three pillars of people engagement be what would the three most important things that would lead to 
uh, a formula, so to speak, if you, if you could think of one. What would you say the three important factors are? Well, first of all, I don't know. Okay, yeah, that's <laughs> fine. Yeah. Uh, but thinking about it, so there are many ways to approach this question. Yeah. And there are people who cracked already, um, and they cracked it for real, the components of people engagement. So you have different what we call frameworks. Yeah. If I take the example of a company that I discovered recently, which is called DecisionWise, it's not a recent company, but I discovered it recently. They based their research on 30 million employee surveys. Um, and they have a framework that defined, that, you know, extracted from these answers five pillars yeah. of what is employee engagement. Okay. And the, the acronym is MAGIC. It's not MAGIC because they wanted it to be MAGIC. It's MAGIC because from what they extracted, the letters were MAGIC. magic. So it's like, you know. So meaning and autonomy and growth and stuff like that. Okay. I don't even know it. I'm reading their book right now. Um, all of these frameworks, I think, are, are valid. The one of decision-wise, for sure, I'm, I'm discovering it is uber compelling because it's based on 30 million uh, surveys and they have huge experience in making meaning of that. Now, as far as I'm concerned, um, I think that the, there is one thing that is key is to have the priority or the focus to connect at a deeper level than the mundane or the transactional conversation. Okay. So if we talk about engagement, if you think about the conversations that you usually have in a company or let's say a retail store or let's take just an office, you will notice that I don't want to give a quantity, but in my experience, 90% of what we talk about is purely transactional. Mm, surface level. I mean, it's important surface level yeah. because this is linked to things that we need to deliver and do. Uh, but you need to think of it in a way that is quite, in fact, brutal, which is your name is only mentioned in the context of a transaction. So, example, your phone is ringing because someone is asking you if you thought of delivering a report. Your email is, uh, is coming. You so your name is coming. Uh, have you thought of calling back this client? Or... Um, uh, a visit of your manager uh, I've seen your sales you're uh, minus uh, 12% what's your action plan or someone is coming and telling you oh you've done a great sale so it's only about what you try to achieve or what you have achieved it's just linked to a target mm. or a deliverable yeah and your name is only coming up because of something like this even to organize a, you know, a party or a farewell party, or did you think of this or that? There is, your name is only linked to that, which is horrible. It's as if you were talking to your kid only when your kid has a grade or only because of the, this grade is below that grade or, oh, you got an A+, plus, well done, or you did a great sale, well done, or oh, you got to see what happened, mm. you know? So it's important, but it's certainly not enough. So to me... Instead of that, if you ask me one thing that is key is to connect at a different level, which is a level that is not about what you have to achieve or what you achieve, but a level that is about what you're trying to do or what you are doing. So it's conversations about what you're trying to do or what you're doing. And this is called very simply paying attention. Yeah. 
And when I mean paying attention, for me, paying attention is the definition of love. Okay. Uh, if you ask me what is love, love is paying attention. I don't think of any other definition of love. The rest are collaterals that you feed paying attention with, uh, uh, small gifts or the surprises, or blah, 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 okay? But you cannot tell me that you love me if the only thing that you talk about when you see me are things that I have achieved or drawing that I have finished. Oh, it's a good drawing or it's not a good drawing. Why don't you talk to me also about when I'm drawing, mm. the effort that I'm doing, what you feel that I uh, experience. Oh, I'm feeling that you're, I feel you're struggling here. No, 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 I'm not struggling. Okay, ah, fine, okay, fine. Uh, oh, I saw that you tried to do this. It, it looked awesome. The, the customer was super happy. What happened? Oh, but I, I didn't sell anything. No, no, it's not about that. It's about what you delivered, the, the connection that you had. Yeah. This is where I'm trying to put all my attention right now, is to help people switch from this transactional mode to this relationship mode, from what you have to achieve, which is the target, to what you're doing or trying to do, which is the focus. In the focus, yeah. And I think this is the, the element, for me, that is the most important in the foundation of engagement. Yeah. It's a connecting at this level. Now, you have obstacles to that that I love to treat as well and I love to work on. But really, if you ask me what is the most important thing is this. To get there, you can choose to have what, what I love to call emotional intentions, meaning instead of, um, um, instead of overthinking of what you want to talk about with people if you're a manager, just think about how you would like people to feel when you talk to them. So it's another way to direct your behavior mm. in a much deeper way that lets you express it in the way you are with your culture, with your origins, with your language, with your education, with your history, with your whatever. But the, in, the emotion that you want to convey is going to direct naturally your actions without a script, without guidelines, but with a clear direction. Yeah. And for example, you would think, I would like people to feel I don't know, comfortable. It's not the same emotional intention as saying, I would like people to feel energized. So if I've got one or the other emotional intention, I would act completely differently in the mood where I am, with who I am. You, if you were in the store with me or if you were in a bank with me delivering the service, you would probably have the same emotional intention, wanting people to feel comfortable. You would deliver a completely different experience. And that's, to me, this is the sweet spot. It's trying to really connect emotionally with people. And that is where I think the magic lies in terms of engagement. Yeah, I, I think you described it beautifully. <laughs> uh, I've never heard anyone talk about it in that way. And I've never heard anyone say that love is paying attention. That's new. Um, oh, it's, it's, it was but great listening thing. to you talk about it, um, I really understand where you're coming from. And like you said, it's shifting from a transactional approach because I've been, you know, I've, you've been there, I've been there, you know, at work, it's all about, it's only about, you know, your name only comes up when something hasn't been done or you ha a target hasn't been hit. And, you know, once that target is hit, great. Okay, tomorrow you come in, next target. Why haven't <laughs> you hit that target? So I totally understand where you're coming from. Um, and I think you really described it beautifully to switch from a transactional approach 
to a more emotionally uh, intended approach. You know, how do I want this person to feel? I think that's a great question to ask yourself, especially as a manager, even as a you know a colleague or an employee. Yes, you know yes. what I mean. I think it this, the hierarchy is irrelevant when it comes to that. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, um, the the confusion that happens because the two conversations are important. Yeah. It, you need to have both conversations, and I have to say there is a field where there is no confusion between the two. There is a clear distinction between the two is sport in the field of sport i've never seen people mixing the two conversations and they have the and they have both conversations in the field of business we mix it i don't ask me why i never understood why so simple example in football okay whatever sport let's take football it's popular enough for people to relate to that yes. right <laughs> you need to have key performance indicators. And if you look at the dashboard, and that Arsene Wenger, for example, who was the coach for 22 years of uh, Arsenal. Yeah. By the way, this guy never lost more than two games in a row in 22 years in uh, Premier League, two or three games. I think it's never more than two games in a row, ever. I mean, it gives you the level. This guy was living and breathing data. He had books on people, books much more complex than any financial indicator that you could have on anything. <laughs> For sure. Do you think sincerely that this guy, when he was in the locker room before a game between Arsenal and Manchester or Real Madrid, do you think that he was saying, guys, at this level of the competition in semi-final, the statistics are clear, we need 52% ball possession, otherwise we will not make it. Yeah. Okay, so make sure you keep it and focus on this indicator. This is what we need. And focus on winning. We need to win. Do you think this is the speech? Of course not. I mean, this would be so absurd. Yeah. yeah I mean, the, the talk and the speech and even the trainings are not focusing on we need to win. You know, it, it would be absurd to hear Arsene Wenger and his, his assistant coaches say, okay, today we're going to focus on pushing the victory. We're going to push the victory. But this is what we say in business. We say we push the sales. We need to push the sales. It's as if you say to people, you know, as soon as you touch the ball, hit, hit it, you know, try to score. Like, man, I mean, defense. Yeah, but it doesn't matter. Try to score. <laughs> it's as if we were saying to all the players, you all need to shoot, shoot to score. This is what we say to all our people on the floor. This is what we say to all our people everywhere in the business. And we only talk about the target instead of setting a target and only talking about what brings the target, which is the focus we want to be in semi-final of the uh, Champions League, where do we need to focus? And of course, it's going to be on nutrition, behavior, discipline, speed, strength, precision. And for all of these things, we're going to develop exercises. We're going to talk about this, the way we behave in that, how are we struggling? We're going to be demanding and push for the best of each, uh, you know, each player but we're focusing on something that is different from the target. These are completely two different things. We spend 90% of the time having non-transactional conversations in order to get, get the transactions. So my point here is to say, don't think that having non-transactional conversation, meaning relationship conversation, the behavioral conversation, the personal emotional conversations, don't think that it removes you, it puts you away from, from the target. It brings the target. And it brings much more than the target because it doesn't only bring the results. 
it brings uh, joy, engagement, satisfaction, motivation, all the things that are included and in the, the, the recipes for engagement brings growth. So players cannot, you cannot be on, on, on the field and say, we're going to push the victory. It doesn't mean anything. Yeah. So there is this confusion that we have in the business world where we only focus on the target instead of having a target and focusing on what we need to focus on, having a, a focus or multiple focuses where we need to put all our attention. Yeah. If it makes sense, I mean. And it makes perfect sense. I th and I, I love the sports analogy because it shows a very, it's a very clear distinction because you know, I watch football as well. So I know I relate to a lot of what you're talking about. <laughs> there's no way they're like, guys, 52% or we're not going to, like, there's no way they're no. ever going to say that. It's so out, outrageous if, you know, someone would. But I think you made a good point that, in, and I didn't realize it until you said it, that in, uh, I guess, the business, in the business world, we mix those two things together. There's too much focus on the target and not enough focus on all the other things, the relationships, all those other little factors are going to help us in long, like in the big picture, hit that target. Of course. Yeah. And it's not that long. Huh? People are surprised sometimes to see that when you shift the focus, the results immediately, I mean, give it three months, the results come. Mm. Uh, and to me, this is also one thing that I like to, to uh, witness and to impact is no, having this type of conversations about, okay, think of meetings. I mean, of course, there are meetings with players in sports where you are going to analyze their stats. For sure, for they, sure. So this is the training stuff, and, yeah. and you, you look at them, and then you put this away, and you focus on something else. Yeah. And this is going to bring the figures or the stats that you want to improve, right? Think of our meetings in, in business and companies. I mean, you enter meetings and all the meetings are about this type of meeting. Analyzing figures, making action plans. The purpose of a meeting is never in a meeting, never the purpose of meetings that are the meaningful meetings in sport, which is let's gather and get out of here ready to go and play on the field. Yeah. It's never like that in a company. True. Very we true. always start with the figures and the objectives and and it's never about, okay, how is everybody? Where are we now? Where are your struggles? How can I help? You know, what do you want to share today? And then, of course, you can relate this to objectives. You can put this in perspective with the direction that you're trying to take. Sure. But could we have, I mean, have you ever been out of a meeting in a company full of energy, ready to fight, maybe a few times with good people, you good managers, but it might have never happened to you. Very rarely. Yeah. Whereas in sports, I mean, would you, you are paid fortunes as a coach to make sure that your players get out yeah. with, you know, this appetite. The, you're not supposed to bring them before the game the small advice on, okay, how you technically do this or do that. You've trained for that. Now get out of there and, you know, enjoy yeah. it. You can do this. You know, this type of real deep motivational speech. Yeah. We, we very rarely have this in, in a company, in a meeting. True. No, that's very true. Um, I, another thing that I didn't realize until you said it, that every meeting probably I've ever had, 90% at least, are exactly that. And I was in sales. So literally it was <laughs> just, so as you know, it's just about that. What were the numbers last week? What are the numbers this week? Good, okay, great. Let's go, you know, let's go. But it was never, you know, we didn't have that 
kind of conversation. You, you never left the meeting feeling that way. Like you said, it was always very, okay, like now you have to hit this target or okay, maybe change this. It's all very transactional to use your word. You know, it's, yeah. a, it's the perfect word. It's a perfect word. I think it really describes what you're talking about. And I think a lot of people would <laughs> can, relate to, can relate to that as well. I wanted to, um, so before I move on to uh, your, your company that I'd, I'd love to hear more <laughs> about. Um, so the way you work with people, as, as far as I understand, is employees, customers, and audiences, right? Yeah. Which would you say, from your experience, is the most difficult to engage? Um, the most difficult to engage, I would say, because I have the um, least experience in that, okay? okay. It's, it would be audiences. Okay. I think it is difficult because of the nature of the communication that you have with an audience through social media or through podcasts or through... Um, there is an element of distance, right? You don't have a direct grasp. You can chat and answer a chat, you know, but the communication is, is, is a bit more difficult. You need, to, you need to have this line and this very clear purpose in mind. What am I trying to bring to my audience? What is each post supposed to bring to them? Mm. And I feel too many brands are about product, about what they do. Uh, it's very rarely about you oh. know something that is more human mm. that they can relate to uh, much better. It's about values or principles and stuff. I mean, it's not all, but think of the big brands. It's very very often about you know product. Why? And I'm sorry to use this example because, uh, you know, I am tired to hearing these examples. But why is Nike constantly on the top of, you know, the best brands in the world? Because they're all about something else than their product. Yeah. It's about what they believe in. It's about what the, the product can bring to you. It's about the values that they want to carry. And this is why they're so good. On top of this, the product is great. But is seriously Nike so much better than a specialized brand in running like Soconi or Asics or I'm not sure I'm, I don't know maybe they are and I'm not so sure of that yeah but they bring so much more into the picture so I think engaging audiences would be the most the most difficult thing according to me um, and it is true that this is the most recent thing and the thing where I have the least experience today uh, even with the experts that I have around me um, the most important thing is really engaging with your employees. Employees, yeah. You cannot ask people to deliver joy if they are unhappy, yeah. you know, or sad. Yeah. You cannot ask people to deliver energy if the context in which they work is, you know, dragging them down or you know, draining. Uh, so you need to start with that. And I'm far from the first one to say this. This is something that has been existing for decades and decades and decades. Uh, and tons of people have demonstrated it with great methodologies and stuff. But this is really the thing that I like to focus on. Maybe with a slightly more emotional angle. Yeah, sure. Than, than others. Than others, yeah. yeah. No, that, that makes a lot of sense. And I think you made a good point about um, the communication aspect is probably the most challenging one when it comes yeah. to, you know, an audience. You, you want to communicate 
um, you want to try to communicate and a story. Like you said, Nike. When I think of <clears throat> Nike, yeah. I picture someone in my head already. Someone's running on the beach, and I'm like, I should be doing that too, but I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, but it has that vibe to it. It has that you know that association that they built over so long. And like you said, product. If you differentiate it across compared to Adidas, compared to any of these other brands, are the the product is probably really good, but they don't ha doesn't have that pull that community that they've been able to, you know, or these micro communities that they've been able, they've been able to create like, in the, you know, over time as well. So I think that no, makes, makes a really good point. Um, so coming on to the 11 foundation. So I like what you said that one plus your like the way you sell it is <laughs> one plus one equals 11. Okay, now I I went to school. And it, in my experience, it doesn't equal 11. So Maybe you can just explain to me and everyone else that's listening. What do you mean by that? What's the significance of this, you know, creating a people engagement network that you're trying to achieve? Yeah. Um, to me, I do not see the point of uh, working for someone or working in a job or trying to accomplish something if it's just to put one plus one equals two. I mean, if my job is just to assemble two things, AI can do it. A robot can do it. Uh, if I am going to give some energy to something, I'm obsessed with adding value. I'm not saying that I'm adding value all the time. You know, I failed many times in my work. We all do. We can do a whole episode <laughs> on my failures and it would be a very long one. But um, um, my obsession is, am I really adding value here? Okay. Am I creating a synergy? Am I creating something that was not, expecting, not expected Sorry, from assembling two things two ideas two concepts two people two two things so am i really adding value there and um i had the chance to work with a coach on my why um if you're familiar to simon sinek and Absolutely, uh, yeah. wines i met this guy his name is alex uh, hi alex uh and when I was, because I had a company before 11 that was named Activate Experience, uh, I closed it in end of September. And I thought that I was going to start a very difficult period in my life, but it was not the case. It was the best period of my life. I met so many different people and stuff, but I was still trying to find out how I was going to supply, you know, and provide for my family. And sure. so I looked for a job. Um, and during this period, I met this guy and he told me, okay, have you worked on your why? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. And he told me, okay, tell me what it is. And I told him at the time something like human at the center. And he told me, oh, okay, is it coming from your brain or is it coming from your guts? And I said, I think neither of them. I'm not really, and then I don't, I, you know. So he said, okay, let me help you. And at the time, uh, what he offered me was, be, give just between one euro and one million euro to any charity of your choice and consider it done. I will, I'll give you the number of sessions that you need to do this. So we worked on that. Uh, at the time, it was just after the blow um, uh, of, the, um, of the port in Beirut. Yeah. And I'm Lebanese yeah. as well. I'm French and Lebanese. Um, so I gave to a charity there. We started to work. And what came out? is that what really, really turns me on is to connect people, ideas, and things so that one plus one equals 11. Mm. It's not a very elegant way to explain, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but it came out this way, and it, yeah. ding, it resonated so well. Yeah. And this is what I've been doing for all my life. 
thinking of, you know, why don't we do this and that? Okay, fails, no problem. Let's try something else. Bam, big thing. Yeah. And one of the things that worked is definitely uh, helping people to change their conversation, associating in their mind different things, thinking of their relationship with people in a different way. And this created growth like I couldn't imagine. Yeah. So that's a major aspect of Eleven is it's a professional network. It's not my company as such in terms of I have employees in it. No, yeah. it is a company, but it's a network. Yeah. So it gathers professionals mm. and companies, individuals and companies who have their own business. They do their own stuff, but they are all one obsessed with this added value. And two, they are obsessed with people engagement. Yeah. And in this case, I define people engagement in a slightly different way. The minimum criteria of anything we do is, is it going to benefit the employees? So I refuse to do anything. And when I say, is it going to benefit the employees? I mean by that, are we really serious about helping the employees digest any novelty that we're going to deliver? So if I deliver, in my case, a customer journey, or if I deliver new KPIs and incentive scheme, or I do a workshop on emotional intentions, I work with people who do branding in South Africa, a guy here, who, a company who's doing gamification, another guy who's, it's an acting company um, called Culture Emulsion. If we do something, are we going to just do it and leave? Are we going to do the workshop and leave? No, we're going to coach people mm. and be there with people, employees, so that we make sure that there is no CRM system we're going to deliver, for example, that is going to become the boss of the employees. Yeah, We're going to help the employees integrate this in the conversation with their manager so that they learn how to use this thing and they understand how they can, thanks to this tool, that they use, how are they going to be thriving and shining? Yeah. The thing that we underestimate 100% is we think because people have understood and liked the training, we think that this is done. And we are the same. So, for example, I listen to a podcast on mindfulness and I think, oh, this is great, this is cool. But then try to put five, five minutes. I'm not talking about revolution five minutes, even every two days. So I'm really taking it yeah. slow here, right? <laughs> Just to stop and do nothing. Just try to focus on your breath, which never happens, your mind always, okay? But just try that to allocate these five minutes. What we underestimate is that even if you think, yeah, I'm gonna do it, you might be doing it in the beginning, but we forget that this is going to be in addition to what you already had in your life. And even if your life might seem not efficient, not optimized, you still have a life that is full of things, even full of wasted time, but it's full of stuff, right? True, true. So when you go to training in negotiation or you go to training in whatever, using a new Excel sheet formula or whatever it is, new CRM tool, this is going to come on top of what you already have been doing every day in your working life or in your life, in your personal life. And this generates a lot of fear. It generates a lot of emotions. It generates a lot of resistance because your life was not working this way. So you need to take people's hand and show them how 
they will manage naturally to gel it into their life. You know, if I send you to a training with a boot camp with Federer in tennis, you will make huge progress in three days and you will come back super excited. But if you don't play here, if you don't have a coach who tells you, you know, Khalid, your shoulders, someone who looks at you and helps you with your own way of applying Federer's uh, yeah. lessons. Yeah. Giving you the confidence that, yes, make mistakes. Yes, do it wrong. No problem. Okay, slowly. This is where you can work. Focus on that. If you don't have this, you have wasted three days you know, of money. Yeah. It was probably a good time. Yeah. But it has not brought the added value that it should be bringing to you. Yeah. And this is what we do in companies. You know, in companies, we think, oh, we have a problem. Let's give them training. Yes. Do we follow up with this training? No. And in 11, we do two things. One plus one equals 11. And two, we make sure that whatever we deliver is going to be accompanied, is going to really benefit yeah. to the employee. Absolutely. Uh, I th I, one of the things from our last conversation um, was on, on this point that you, and you just repeated now that you stressed on the importance of coaching people through yeah. these changes. And you yeah. said that, I'm not interested in going into a company and just giving a talk, you know, for a day all about people engagement. I want to work with a company for at least, you know, three to six months to really help coach them and give them the time to implement all these things. Um, I think what I'm hearing from everything you're saying is training shouldn't be an isolated incident. It should be an ongoing process. Yeah. You know, you adapt. OK, this didn't work. I didn't like this. And then the coaching aspect comes into it to how do we adapt these principles to fit? I think you made it a great point to fit you. Yeah. Because how I would take in that training and how I would implement it will be completely different to how you would implement yeah. it. So having someone there who can, like you said, hold your hand and guide you through those changes is what's important. And on the one plus one equals eleven. Okay, now I get I get what you mean. Um, and I think I, I I agree with that. I agree with what you're talking about. I think the network effect always adds value. You know, I've seen it in my experience with my podcast and the amazing people I've oh. met, <clears throat> the opportunities I've had. It's because of that, you know, we, okay, I had a podcast recording, but then what came out of that? A friendship came out of that. Or maybe a business opportunity together came out of that. So I totally resonate with what you're talking about on how that, in, in the big picture, that adds a lot of, like, that's how you add value on a larger scale. It becomes exponential the more people you have. Uh, yeah, I think so. Um, I wanted to, one thing I really admire about you joe is from our first conversation you've been very very open with me and very honest about um you know what you, what happened with your previous work and like and now that and you have a but you have a family and kids and you're saying now is the happiest time in your life and for me i'm like 90 percent of the like people i would speak to like i would never even admit one thing like that or say anything so it's been so, it was so refreshing. I'm like, oh, finally, okay. So I'm like, he's a, he's a person. Of course he goes through these things. Um, but if, if you're comfortable with it, uh, I'd love if you could share your story about what happened in the past year and why is now, has now at the age of 44 with a wife and three kids, now you're saying is the happiest time yeah. of your life. Because that kind of took, it took me, it, it kind of caught me off guard because, you know, <laughs> okay. yeah, it did. Because usually people like uh, who are in your situation would wouldn't say those kind of things now. You know what I mean? They'd be like, oh, my happiest time was then. You know, it happened already. You know what I mean? So I'm just curious to hear. And I think a lot of people um, and a lot of parents as well could really resonate with your story and the experience you had in the last year. Okay. Yeah, thank you. So, uh, 
Yeah, last years, in fact, have been incredibly intense, uh, but I realize now incredibly tough. Uh, I was working in a company that I created with an investor, and um, I didn't realize uh, then at the time that this relationship became toxic. Um, it is not an easy thing to admit because I obviously have a role into this. I realized quite quickly, which is great, when, when I stopped working. In fact, the, the, the great breakthrough was I stopped working with uh, my investor on the 27th of September uh, 2020. So the date is precisely in my mind, right? Mm. And I had two, three days of panic. What am I going to do? Because the investor was here to give me a minimum salary, a salary uh, that decreased with COVID mm. uh, to the point where you know, we stopped the company, he stopped financing it, and we stopped the venture. Um, and I, I had three days where I was thinking, I have three kids, I live in Dubai, my wife is working, but she's not bringing enough revenue to supply, you know, to provide for the whole family. What on earth am I going to do? Mm. You know? um, and on the 1st of October, which is, you know, a few days after, my rib cage started to open, I, I felt, um, life coming back to me. This is when I started to realize that the relationship that I had with uh, this investor was toxic. And I had an active role into this, which is so great because when you think you're a victim of something, there is not really something you can do about it. You're not empowered. It, it's complicated. Mm. You can, but it's a, it's a different path. But when you realize that someone who had a toxic place in your life cannot be toxic if you don't let this person be toxic. Mm. Someone who wants to disturb you cannot disturb you if you don't let this person disturb you, right? It's it's a bit more complicated than that, of course. When you're caught into that, it's yes. not easy. I realized that I probably wasn't confident in myself. I, I didn't feel, I, I, I was afraid um, to fail. I was afraid to be a failure. I had many failures in my career. The first company I created, <laughs> I created so many, <laughs> and none of them worked. That's okay. You know, to be very clear. Yeah. The first company I created was when I dropped my career uh, at a very early age, and I did something in coaching, a mini certification in coaching, and I was thinking, okay, I've been working in legal field for, I mean, studying this and working in law firms and stuff. Let me do a company called Juris Coaching that is going to coach people in the legal field, right? Sure. I was 27 years old. I'm 44 right now. I had zero client. Not one client. Zero client. <laughs> so I closed the company. I had other companies. And Activate Experience was a company that lasted for nearly four years. And, you know, it, I could get a salary from it. But I, I had this guy providing yeah. the salary. Um, the big breakthrough for me was looking for a job for five months, um, starting to realize that I lived this period in a great way instead of thinking I need to find a job. We made the decision to take savings for our kids to live today, realizing that it was probably better to use the money for now instead of keeping the money for a potential future and to create more comfort for us. So we decided to take these savings and during five months, man, I met just incredible people. And instead of thinking, I need to find a job, I need to find a job, I was 
trying to, to have conversations with people. In this time, I came to a point where discussing with one of the big five, great conversations, I mean, brilliant people. I asked myself the question, do I want to fit in their box, which is a great box, but do I want to um, tweak myself to fit their requirement? Mm. Or do I want to create a condition to express myself and, you know, give it a real go? Yeah. And I chose the second option after five months looking for a job. I realized maybe this is something that I could do by myself much better. And I, I don't need to limit myself to just customer experience. I can do people engagement, work on employees, work. I can not only work with retail, but I can work with tech companies. And I'm working with technology, digital companies right now. Um, I started to have... Um, to realize that I love the beginner's mindset so much, um, even if it scares me, but I like this freshness of trying things. Yeah. Um, because you see so many more possibilities when you start than when you are an expert. And I'm an expert in some things, and I think I see less possibilities than people who start in the field right now. Mm. And, and so beginning something, trying things, failing at things, is great. I like it. Some people don't like to call it failure. You can call it, you know, it's just, it's just a downside to go up. Just a bump I'm in the road. Yeah, I'm, I'm fine to call it failure. Yeah. Uh, I understand if people don't want to call it failure, but I, I, I've never met as many people as now. I've never listened to as many content as now because I have space for that. I've never worked in such a productive way. I play backgammon sometimes with my kids. Uh, we play tawle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, sometimes in the middle of the afternoon. What a luxury. What a, what a luxury. We live with much less, uh, much, much less than when I was in Shalhoub and even when I was in Activate Experience. But I've never been so happy connected to what's going on and, and seeing possibilities and realizing that I can do things. Um, but I have to say that Comfortable is not an interesting purpose. It's an interesting spot from time to time. Uh, the only thing that we can do with comfortable is enjoy it. And it's not easy to enjoy comfort and to say, oh, that's great. Mm. But this is not where you, you, uh, you get to where... Uh, to, you, this is not where you get to a place of learning. I come from a very dark place. And my parents love me. They are still together. I have great siblings. I just lived my life in a way that, you know, was dark. It's horrible to say. I mean, if my parents listened to this, they would say, now what he's talking about. <laughs> but I, I know how I live things. Yeah. Uh, and I live things in a dark, dark, dark way. Mm. This has given me... Uh, the connection with, I can see fear, I can see insecurity, I can see, you know, issues. Uh, I can feel them because I've went through them. Um, I get annoyed for nothing myself. I mean, one of the obstacles in my life is that I get angry very rapidly. Ah, I'm impatient. <laughs> yeah. But I'm the best guy to calm people who are impatient. Mm. I'm the best guy to calm people who are angry. I can speak to them because I know what it is. And this is the whole point of this. Even this experience with a toxic relationship has been incredibly rich for me. Difficult, but rich. Yeah. And I can tell you that even recently, I think, 
before yesterday I had a conversation with someone telling him you no, I mean I'm not interested in you bullying uh, me in this conversation something that I could have never spotted before mm. I would have felt a bit uncomfortable I would have taken this and thought okay let's digest it no I said right away okay I got your point but this is not the right way and I'm not interested in this way um, so I changed so much thanks to this very intense experience yeah and I'm so ready to throw myself into different experiences the only difference I would say is that I crave for gentleness I crave for decent people uh, I'm in love with people who have this elegance mm. of behavior that I don't have sometimes you know uh, I love people who think differently. Honestly, this, but I'm saying differently. People who don't think the way I think or who think otherwise, who disagree with my opinions. Sure. As long as there is this gentle background, I'm so uh, genuinely grateful that I can be exposed to these people and to, to, to the world now. Yeah. Man, yo, that was a... Uh, I I love I love that story because anyone anyone listening to it anyone listening to it myself included I'm listening I'm relating to things that have happened to me in my in you know in in my past as well and I know anyone listening to that story there's so many different points about uh, being in a toxic relationship about not being valued about um, accountability I think that was that was a big one Uh, and that also I've mentioned it many times in the podcast was a turning point for me well when you're saying yeah if you play the victim you're gonna be like this but you have to take so I'm not saying it's fair what happened doesn't mean what happened is fair but also you have to put your hand up and be like you know what I had some. I had a hand to play in of this. Course. This didn't happen because I was perfect, and this guy's the bad person. I was there. Yeah, exactly. You were there. Absolutely. Um, no, I love that story, man. And listening to how you know now you have this, the I guess the mental space to you. It seems like you're more grateful than you were before. You're you know you're trying all these new things. You're excited, and you want to do all this kind of stuff. So it's awesome. It's really awesome to see, and I I love seeing that in people as well. Um, and I'm sure, I'm sure with everything, you know, that, that was a turning point and I wish you all the best and it's only up from here. Uh, Joe, for my last two questions, these are questions I ask all my guests okay. on the show. So number one, looking back either, you know, at your career or even from a per- in your personal life or however you want to look at it, what would you say you're most proud of for yourself? You know, I heard this question in all your episodes. I listened to many of them, and I'm surprised by your question. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay, surprisingly, maybe, I think it's still to be in my family life, in my couple life. I think marriage, and this is really personal. I, 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 I don't expect people to necessarily relate to that. I think commitment don't call it marriage if you don't want to I'm Christian but you know whoever you are committing to staying with someone for a lifetime as a couple is the most extreme adventure that I think is available today comparable to climbing the Himalayan naked to me this is where it goes Mm. the level kind of okay really 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 complicated yeah we're in this yeah um not because it is complicated by itself 
but um, because um, it's it's not easy, I think, to live the daily life, uh, a daily life every day, with you changing, with someone changing, with welcoming kids. So, being a man with a woman, uh, I don't know what it's like to be with another person of the same gender, but I guess the challenges, you know, must be somehow comparable. Sure. And I'm very proud that during very complicated times that we went through, um, myself not understanding what role I had into this, I could not get where, why is it like that? I mean, mm. I don't have any issue. What, mm. I would like this to work and it's not working. And mm. I could see what didn't work in my wife, mm. but I couldn't see what role I had into this. Mm. And I did something that I've done very frequently since I, uh, in my early age, um, I wanted to commit suicide when I was younger, at the age of twenty. Thank God, I, 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 you know, thank God I was on the fourth floor, so it was too low to jump because mm. I was afraid to miss myself. I would have been on the seventh. I would have done it for real, but I didn't do it. So this is great. Since then, I discovered help, and when I went through this difficult period in my marriage. Um, we seek for help and that was the greatest thing that we've done this was not the first time that I was getting help sure it was with therapists here, yeah here in Dubai and I'm super proud of you know being in another page of our life yeah so yeah, this is what I'm the most proud uh, of man, that's a, <laughs> nothing professional that, that's fine that's fine I, I uh, first of all that's a, a beautiful answer I, it's really really nice to hear um, I love this question I'd never I didn't ask it in the earlier episodes and then I asked it to someone once and their reaction was just like wow because now it's not a question you get asked often and mm. I like asking it in the moment because yeah, yeah. whatever answer comes out that's what it is you know, that's why I believe it is. You know, your mind's like, that's what I'm most proud yeah, of. Um, I agree with you. But that's a beautiful answer, man. And to hear, you know, where you were at 20, to see where you are now and still happily, you know, happily married and, you know, getting the help and, you know, work really working on things is a beautiful thing. And I think anyone would be super proud of that. You know, anyone who's gotten help and in any, in any fashion to help them get to where they are today, um, something I admire and something I respect. And, you know, I think more people could use some help as well. And for my last question, Joe, yeah. what is the message you'd like everyone to take home with them today? Um, you are not alone. I think this is the thing that is the most important for me today. Again, it's not, it's also professional, but get help. Don't struggle by yourself. Uh, there are mentors, there are entrepreneurs if you're an entrepreneur there are podcasters like you who are helping people like me uh, potentially when i'm going to do my my future podcast there are therapists there are coaches there are friends there is family some sometimes family is not a real help <laughs> but if you're struggling don't struggle alone there is help available everywhere it's just get help don't isolate yourself if you're struggling with your people engagement blah 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 there are tons of people like me and there is us um, if you're struggling with your personal life seek for help there are qualified people great people around even random people 
people will help you. Yeah. And that's, I think, the, I call it using your resources. Use the resources around you that are available. Yeah. Don't close yourself into a space where you're going to suffocate and, and circle around in your brain. Someone can very quickly help you, you know, just deviate a little bit and take a different path. And that has been something that I, I've been following this. I always have three mentors at all times. Yeah, I always have a therapist somewhere. somewhere. I always talk to coaches. If I, I'm struggling, I'm asking for help. I'm asking advice sometimes to my kids. They are 11, 9 and 4. Uh, but sometimes they've helped me a lot, my wife, my parents. Um, it's not easy sometimes to say I'm struggling and yeah. I need help. Yeah. But when you do, wow, this is just wonderful because the level of connection is mm. totally different. And Absolutely. people discover another facet of you. So get help. Get help. <laughs> get help. And you're not alone. And I think that's a beautiful message, Joe. Um, I can... I've been there as well, and you know, oh, I, okay. I I know that feeling of isolating yourself um, and not getting the help that you need. Then I think you made a good yeah. point. Use the resources around you because they are they are available. Um, and also, like I said, family might not be the best at times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it's true. No, it's, it's true. It's true because it's someone who knows you, so there's a bit of you know, that's just Khaled being Khaled again, or whatever the case <laughs> might be. Um, but Joe, I wanted to say thank you so much for coming on the show today. This has been a fantastic. I knew this would be a good episode based on our last <laughs> conversation. I'm like this would be fantastic. Um, I've really, really enjoyed it. I've learned so much from you about. Um, you know, people engagement and how you think about it and tr switching from transactional, um, you know, mindset to a more uh, emotional, um, relationship-based, yeah. you know, mindset yeah. as well. And listening to your story about your struggles and all that. I love these kind of stories because I think I relate to it. And I think a lot of, we all go through these things, but I don't think people talk about it enough. So I like to use the podcast yeah. to, you know, open up these kind of conversations. Um, so it's absolutely been a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you so much. Thank you, Khaled. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, and Joe, before we uh, yeah. go, where can people connect with you, find you, um, if so they want to get in touch? The best thing is LinkedIn. I'm active on my profile, so okay. Joe Sejon. Okay. I'm, I started the LinkedIn profile for 11. You can also find us there. Yep. Um, I'm not managing to have the discipline to create content right now on this profile, but the profile is not static. Huh? It's there. Sure. So LinkedIn, I think, is the best uh, the best way. You have all the details, and you can find the uh, transition website that we're uh, we're having right now for 11. It's very easy to connect with me, and I can connect you with different people of the network. So this is where you can really find me. Perfect, guys. So anyone looking to, you know, if you're a company, you're a professional looking to get some help, some coaching into that whole area or retail as a chosen expert make sure to connect with him and please make sure to like follow and subscribe and share the podcast guys uh, on instagram facebook everywhere you find it at hope.it.helps and as always guys thank you for your time and hope it helps peace <laughs>